This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about the subject of joy. And uh, I love this topic because there is so much to be found. So I realized very quickly there's no way I can cover everything I need to cover. So I'm just going to kind of scratch the surface a little bit about what joy is all about. Because how many know that this season should be filled with joy? Wow. We clearly need this message. (laughs) Uh, Reality is, as I get closer and closer to Christmas... I've been just observing people. I don't know if you are looking around these days, but I see people running around like crazy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, They're trying to find the perfect gift. Um, I see these wish lists, people in the store with these wish lists that are, are long, or they're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on their phone because they're long and extensive and expensive and all of the above. And, you know, people go into debt this time of year just to get more stuff. And do you know that people struggle to keep up with the Joneses? But do you know that the Joneses are usually people we don't even like? So, yes, that hit home for somebody. Okay. But the reality is people try to find joy in material things because we live in a world that demands instant gratification. Society tells us from every angle these days that you need the greatest, the latest, the newest, the the best. And so people go out and they spend money, they, they work hard to earn money, to spend money, to get more stuff so that they can feel good inside. Only to realize that that gadget is only going to be good for so long because then there's going to be a new version. And then we're no longer happy until we have, I don't even know where we're at with iPhones now. 11. Okay, thank you. See how up on it I am? <laughs> wow. Um, but you know what? People go out and they get the, high, the, the newest iPhone and then, and then they're happy. For a week. Yes, son. Exactly. Because it doesn't satisfy. That's called temporal happiness. It's, it's just temporal things. It's earthly things. And it doesn't produce joy inside. But this time of year, more than anything, you see people scrambling and trying so hard to find something that's deeper. And so they fill their lives with stuff. And they buy more stuff. And they gather more stuff. And you know what happens? In the end, we don't even have room to contain the stuff. So our house gets cluttered. Our minds get cluttered. Our hearts get cluttered. And we lose sight of what this season is really about. See, Jesus came and he said he has come so that we can have joy. So that we can have life so that we can have love, so that we can have life in abundance. See, Christmas is a season of joy. But most people would gauge that joyfulness based on stuff or circumstantial things. Like, you know, how was the visit with the family? How was the food? Did I get what I wanted? And that quickly fades away. And we're left with an internal struggle. Because that does not satisfy. See, Christmas brings out either either the best or the worst. 
For some people, this is the, the best time of the year because they love the, the get-togethers and the, and the food and the, and the stuff and the traditions, and, and they love it. They enjoy it. They can't wait for this season, and so they enjoy every moment of it. And for others, it brings out the worst. It's a struggle. It's a reminder of what they don't have. It's a reminder that they never have enough. Or they're afraid of the strife that's going to come when they have to go through some tradition that they really don't want to be part of. But see, the problem is that our, if we base our joy on circumstances or on things, it'll never be enough. And we'll keep running, we'll keep seeking, we'll keep searching. Because we won't be happy. If things don't go right, we won't be happy. And that's true for many people. But I'm here to tell you today that for the person who knows Jesus, that's not the case. For the person who has met Jesus and has him in their heart, that's not the case. We do not have to live our lives like that. We do not have to be limited by our circumstances working out or by having the latest stuff or finding happiness in what we can get or even what we can give. The reality is that God has already given us everything that we need. When he sent his son Jesus, like a little baby born in a manger, he had a greater plan. It didn't make sense to the world at that time. They they didn't even recognize what was happening because they were expecting something completely different. But God had a plan all along. He wanted to send Jesus like a real person, like you and I, that would have to live real life like you and I so that he could relate to you and I, so that he could live inside you and I. Because when we accept him inside our hearts and when we invite him to not only be our savior but to be the Lord of our life, everything changes. We sang it this morning, Lord, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Because in that moment, everything changes. If we recognize who it is that lives on the inside of us, if we recognize who it is that just entered the room, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he didn't stay a baby. He grew up to be a man, and he gave his life for you and me so that we could be set free in that rhyme all the time. And I didn't even know. I'm a poet, and I don't even know it. Wow, that derailed really quickly. Let's go back to my notes. Okay. I don't even know where I am, so I'm just going to go. Okay. But the very announcement about the birth of Jesus is the reason that we can have joy this season. Wow, I rhymed again. That's so bad. (laughs) Wow, I'm going to get kicked out of speaking soon. Okay. (laughs) Because this... Hey, baby, you're so proud of me in this moment. And my children, too. They're like, that's my mom. Wow. Um, they're more like, yep, yep, that's, that's our mom. Okay. Well, the reality is that the joy that I want to talk to you about today is not based on, on circumstances. It's based on knowing that the presence of Jesus is in our lives with us. All the time, Jesus doesn't take a vacation. Jesus doesn't go away on holidays. Jesus doesn't need a nap. Jesus is with us all the time. And I'm telling you this morning, uh, worship led so beautifully into this message because we were talking about all the earth will shout your praise. And and just like Cameron said, what what happens in heaven all the time is that there's worship going on 24-7, even though they don't have a clock. They just keep going, and they worship, and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And they invite heaven to come and join in that worship. They invite us to come and shift our perspective from our 
temporary things or circumstances so that we can lift our eyes and we can declare, even in the midst of our circumstances, that great are you, Lord. And we literally, like Cameron said, God initiates and we respond. God initiated by sending his son so that he could be born for us, so that he can live for us, so that he could die, so that we could have life. And what we need to do is simply respond and say, yes, God, I need you. I love you. I may not understand everything that goes on in my life, but you are still worthy. See, it's about perspective. See, happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. See, I believe that we need to fight the urge to find happiness in the temporary celebration of this season or in our stuff. Instead, we need to choose joy in the eternal work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Our prayer this morning, I hope, would be for God to reset our concept of reality from temporary things to eternal things. Because what we see is what we can touch and feel and hear and, 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 and what we see around us. But life is so much greater than that. And so what we need to do is ask God to shift our perspective so that we don't live just by what we see, not just by what we hear, but what, what God sees and what God has in store. So I want to share five quick thoughts with you this morning. The first one is this. You can't buy joy. You can't buy joy. That's nothing that you can buy, go out and, and wrap in a present under the tree so that it solves your problems or solves your, your issue of emptiness inside. We cannot buy joy. Peter writes to um, the persecuted Christians across the northern part of Asia Minor, and he writes this letter in First Peter, and he says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I want to give you the perspective of when he's writing this. He's writing this during the reign of Nero, the Roman emperor who found it his joy to do all sorts of nasty things with anyone who called themselves a Christian. And these, these people that he's writing to, he's writing actually to several churches, have been, have been persecuted so bad that they spread out all over. And God had a great plan in this because he actually spread the gospel through persecution, which was really brilliant. But in the midst of their persecution, Peter goes on and he writes this, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying that actually that persecution and that pressure that you're feeling is actually testing your faith to make sure that it's genuine. Because if it is genuine, even in the midst of your difficulty, even in the midst of your persecution, praise and honor and glory will rise from within you to our God because he is worthy. And then in verse 8, he goes on to say, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
The New King James Version says, you, are, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. He's saying in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances, if you know him, if he has tested your faith and it's proven genuine, then there's a joy that you cannot even express. There's a joy that is beyond words. There's a joy that is full of God's glory inside of you and you can't help it because it's bubbling up on the inside of you and things may look awful around you, but you know that you have a hope that is real, that you have a God that is in you, that you have someone, and greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So it doesn't matter what my circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what I go through, because I have the joy inside of me. Remember that kid's song? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Woo! Down in my heart. See, all you Sunday school people, very good. Carly, I heard you over there. I heard you. That was very good. And we sing that, and it's a cute kid's song, but you know how profound that is? I got the joy of God, the inexpressible joy, full of glory. I can't even explain it or express it deep down in my heart. See, Peter is explaining why Christians, and why why Christians, especially in this season of Christmas, can have deep joy. See, This inexpressible joy is not something we can buy and place under the tree. It is something that we experience deep inside when we know him. See, our joy is found in something we can't see. Our joy is found in someone we can't see. So as Christians, even though we don't actually see him, we love him. We have faith in him. And that faith goes beyond needing that physical Evidence in order to be able to find joy in God. See, I don't think it's enough for us as Christians to simply get up and trudge through the day. Neither should we paste a smile on our face and just pretend like everything's okay if it's not. But I believe that in all things, we can surrender to her God who knows and who cares and who has promised not to take away every circumstance. We don't always walk on the top of the mountains every day of our life. But he has said, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even there I am with you. I'll comfort you. I'll protect you. See, that's worth having joy about. See, I've thought about this so many times. When I've gone through difficult times, how many here have ever gone through a difficult time in life? I want to talk to the rest of you, because that's really fantastic. Wow, so many. I need to hear your story. But when I've gone through difficult times, you know what I come back to? I can't imagine doing this without Jesus. I don't know what I would do without Jesus. And you know what it does in me? It, it, It births this passion in me that I need to tell others what it's like to know him. Because there's tons of people out there, your neighbors, my neighbors, that are walking out there. They're walking through difficulties and circumstances, and they don't have Jesus. And so they can't find joy because there is no joy to be found. They may be happy in little snippets, but then come those, those seasons of life where you can't find happiness. And we need to tell them, we need to be ready to say, there is a joy that is deeper because there is a God who is greater than your circumstance. There's a God who can give you joy when you're on the top of the mountain. There's a God who can have a deep peace and assurance and joy in your heart even when you walk through the valley. 
See, that is worth being thankful for. That's why I have joy, even when I don't have happiness. Because there's a difference. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen to how Jesus approached life in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Another version says the author and the finisher of our faith. And listen to this. This is profound. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand with the throne of God. See, it doesn't say because of the promise set before him. It doesn't say because of, you know, the the circumstance set before him. It says because of the joy set before him. Have you ever stopped to think about what that verse is saying? It's saying that he faced the cross because of joy. I can guarantee you that that was not a moment of happiness for Jesus. But what he saw is he saw the bigger picture. He saw God's perspective. And I believe with all my heart that every moment that he walked toward that cross, with every lashing that he took, he saw you and he saw me restored to the Father. And it was the reason for which he was born. It is why he came. And so he rejoiced already even though he hadn't seen the promise yet. He had to walk the road of suffering in order to see the promise come to fulfillment. And it's because of the joy that he could see you and I reconciled again to the Father, that he endured the shame, that he endured the pain, that he endured ultimately death on a cross so that we could come to him, so that now we can have joy and the assurance of his promise of reconciling us to God. David even said, Lord, would you restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because he knew that there is joy when we recognize what our God has already done for us. See, sometimes our circumstances don't change, but our perspective can. That's why joy is eternal. See, the early church did not have it easy. They, they got all excited. After Jesus actually suffered, died, and rose again, then he comes to the disciples and he says, Tag, you're it. Now you go do it. I'm going to take off. I'm going to leave you my promise. He's going to be your helper. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to go and talk about me to everybody. So they're all like, yay, Jesus. Woo, this is awesome. And then persecution broke out. Right? See, they had to dig down deep. Because they realized that there's something greater at stake. Jesus suffered and died because of the joy set before him. So the early apostles and disciples, they were beaten, they were bruised, they were imprisoned, they were, they were flogged, they were uh, chastened down like animals. Some of them were killed. Actually, most, all the apostles were killed in the end. Uh, but why did they do it? Have you ever stopped to think? I think they saw what Jesus saw. There's something deeper. There's something greater. There's something that cannot be stopped. So in Acts chapter 5, they're called before the council. And they actually tell them, stop talking about Jesus. We are tired of hearing about this man who died. 
Stop talking about him. And they threatened the apostles. They said, do not talk about him ever again. And listen to their response. So they departed from the presence. Well, actually, I should, I should give you the whole story. They didn't just say, please don't talk about Jesus. They also flogged them. Yeah, ouch. In, in that, that time, flogging was not pretty. So not only did they threaten them, but they said, we're going to teach you a lesson. This is what's going to happen to you if you ever talk about Jesus again. So they go out of there, and in Acts 5, 41, it says, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They were rejoicing. Wow. Talk about joy. They found the answer in a joy that lasts forever. Now we have that same joy that Jesus had, knowing that he chose us as his messengers to spread his joy. He had to come as a baby in order to grow up as a savior. Now that's good news, which leads us to the second thing, that good news travel fast. Good news travels fast. Let's back up to Jesus' birth and let's see what happened when he was first about to be announced. So the angels come. There's some shepherds out at night. In Luke chapter 2, it says, Now there were in, in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. See, their fear was actually turned into joy. They were, it says, they were greatly afraid when they saw the heavenly host. They didn't know how to react because they're like, whoa, what's going on? And the angel literally says, don't fear. I bring you good news, glad tidings of great joy. He was just born. But it's not just for you. This is how news travel. Because they realized it wasn't just for them. He said, this will be to all people. See, he started something that is still going on today. The good news is still the same good news that the angels proclaimed over 2,000 years ago. He said, I bring you great and glad tidings, because he was born, your lives can be changed, and we can have an enduring joy that lasts all the way into eternity and then for eternity. See, within the story of Jesus' birth, there are simple shepherds that are in the fields. And I think it's interesting that of all the people in the world that God could have chosen to announce this to, he chose shepherds. They were considered the lowest of the low. See, they didn't have OHIP. They didn't have wealth. They didn't have money. They didn't have anything to fall back on. And I think he chose them because they were simple, regular people that lived in the real world. Come on. It was you and I back then. 
because he knew that they didn't have anything to fall back on. So they not only received the great joy, they didn't only receive the good news because they recognized that this is something that absolutely would transform their lives and they couldn't help but to spread the good news. And so it actually goes on to say that they talked to everybody that they met. They went and they worshipped and they saw Jesus and then it says that they, they would just tell everybody about what they had seen. You know why? Because it changed their lives. Because they recognized that the joy of finally seeing the Savior come to earth was not meant to be an isolated event. It was meant to be something that would transform their lives so that they could spread the good news. Because good news travels fast. And when God has actually done something in your life, you can't help it. But you want to share it with others so that they can experience the same joy. And that changed the world. Leads us to thought number three. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Have you ever had that? A gift that <clears throat> you can tell it's, <laughs> it's kept on giving? But this is the best gift ever. And God wants it to keep on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving because he knows that until every single person on earth has heard his message, it's worth going out there and sharing the joy that is deep within us. Let's go back to that announcement in verse 11 on Luke chapter 2. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You have to put yourself in the context of these shepherds of the Jews who were living under oppression. And all they were waiting for was the Savior to come and save them from what they thought was just the Roman rule and reign. But they recognized in that moment that he was so much more than that, even though he didn't look more than that. He looked just like a little simple baby born in a stable. But what they were saying is that this This is great news, not just good news. It's great news because not only is he a a baby, not only is he going to free you from the Roman oppression, but he's going to free you from the oppression of your heart so that he can break the power of sin in your life so that you do not have to be bound. You do not have to be shackled by the depression and and the weight of the enemy, but he came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to transform us from the inside out. They had never heard news like that because no one up until that point had been able to actually break the power of sin. So it's great news, and it's the gift that keeps on giving. This gift never gets old. This gift is eternal. This gift is not limited by circumstances. This gift is for every person of every time in every way. Of all the gifts we could ever hope for, this is by far the best gift. Because it doesn't just have impact right now. It has an everlasting, eternal impact. No pun intended, actually. Romans 15, 13 says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse right here actually wraps up our whole Christmas series because it talks about how we, the God of all hope, Cameron presented that God gives us hope beyond what we see. We have a God of hope that fills us with joy and with peace. It's what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. And he says, so that your joy may abound, and your hope may abound by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why it's so important that we live in him and he lives in us, that I am in him as he is in me, like Jesus said. Because at the end of the day, in order to have this joy, in order to rejoice through this season and remember the real reason for the season, we need to recognize that we desperately need him. 
and that he longs to fill us with not just some joy and peace, it says, but with all hope and peace. See, the best Christmas ever is dependent on us surrendering ourselves so that he can live fully in us and through us. Leads us to thought number four. Joy is contagious. Have you ever thought about what contagious is? If you're contagious, what do you usually do? Yes, I didn't hear anybody, but I'm sure it was a good answer. Good answer. But usually you isolate yourself because something that's contagious spreads. See, joy is contagious. It can be caught and it can be spread. See, what we do sometimes as Christians is we experience this joy in our lives and then we isolate ourselves. But instead, Jesus said, just go out there and live like Jesus and love like Jesus and you'll be contagious just by doing that. You don't even have to try. You just need to let my life in you bubble out and allow the joy that you feel, the assurance that you have to shine out and radiate through your eyes and you'll see that people will catch on to it because it's contagious. You just can't help it. I don't know if you've ever seen our little Abigail. She's seven years old, but man, her middle name is Joy, very appropriately, because she's just full of joy. She's full of life. And you can't help but be around her and smile, because she just makes us laugh all the time. She's funny, and, and she's cute. She's just so cute. The reality is joy is contagious, but we have something much better than cuteness. We have something much better than a happy smile. We have a joy that is deep inside of us because of the hope of Jesus Christ that lives in us, the hope of glory in us. Joy is so much greater than our circumstance. Joy is so much greater than stuff. Joy is so far beyond happiness that the world doesn't know it, but it needs to know it. And in order to know it, they need you. Jesus needs you to just let that joy, first of all, settle in your own heart. And then allow his light to shine through you. See, in Acts chapter 4, another time when the apostles had been told not to talk about Jesus, this is their response. They said, well, we can't help. We cannot but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. Because once Jesus actually grabs a hold of your life and transforms your life, you can't help it. You just have to share. And that's the joy of the Lord that I believe is for you and for me this morning. Maybe you've come in burdened. Maybe you've come in weighed down by the circumstances of life or by things that you're thinking about or battling. But I believe today that God can break all that off because he wants to give you joy that's not temporal and joy that is not circumstantial. He wants to give you a deep joy that can break off the bondage of the enemy of your life. And that joy is contagious. Which leads us to the last last thought. God's joy is complete. See, when circumstances don't have bounds on your level of joy, then you're learning to live life the way God always intended. You have found a gift when you find the joy of your salvation. That gift changes our lives, but it's something that we can keep receiving every single day. But it's not possible outside of relationship with Jesus. We need to remain in him, in his love. Just listen how Jesus put it in John 15, verse 9 to 11. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, God's love is so great that if it dwells in our hearts, our joy is complete. That Greek word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Thank you, Scott, for trying the Greek. But it literally means for complete. It literally means to fill to the brim, to render perfect, to supply liberally so that nothing shall be wanted. What he's inviting us to today is to remain in his love, to be secure in his love, to come into his love so that he can give us a joy that is so complete that we don't even know what to ask for next because it's so complete in our lives. See, despite anything that I ever go through, I can find a reason to rejoice and be joyful because of the hope I have in him, but only if I remain in him. See, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate God's presence with us in our lives. We celebrate that we've been rescued and made right with God. And that truth makes us joyful, even in the midst of circumstances that may leave us struggling Perhaps you've lost sight of your eternal perspective this morning. Perhaps you just feel weighed down like you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. But I want to tell you this morning that there's, there's a joy that God wants to give you this morning that goes beyond what you can feel. See, in Nehemiah 8, verse 10, he says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord It's your strength. Not only is it our hope, but it's our strength. And that strength literally means your place of refuge. It is your stronghold. If we can grasp this, what Jesus is saying is he's inviting us in to say the joy of the Lord, if you actually grasp it and receive it fully, then it can be a place of refuge for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.